Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias. D.C. Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked on Yankees. Locked on Mariners. Locked on Mets. Locked on Angels. And you're listening to Locked on Braves. Locked on Braves. Locked on Braves. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Hey, and welcome back to Locked On Braves, brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network, where we are talking about your favorite teams every day. Obviously, here on Locked On Braves, we're talking about your Atlanta Braves, and I am your host, Jake Mastriani. You can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball. Check out my bio there to see everywhere. I am covering the game of baseball, including the Atlanta Braves, in written form over at Tomahawk Take. Dot com Also cover AA South for Prospects 1500 and the Birmingham Barons for Southside Sox. And thanks for making Lockdown Braves your first listen each and every day. Right now we're posting episodes three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So appreciate all the support on all of the platforms, including on YouTube as well. Make sure you go subscribe on YouTube. I got the background coming in. I got a a picture over the weekend. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see it. It's Jackie Robinson sliding, stealing home in the 1955 World Series in front of Yogi Berra. Really love that photo. I'm working right now in contact with a photographer for a Hank Aaron picture that I'm really excited about. Going to post on the other side. So background starting to come together a little bit. Let me know what you think about it. And like I said, if you're watching on YouTube, please, please hit that subscribe button. Trying to get that subscriber count up to 1,000 before opening day. And got some nice follows over the weekend on Twitter. Make sure you are subscribed on Twitter as well at LockedOn underscore Braves. Some great interaction there. Some feedback questions as well. So make sure you're following us on on Twitter so that you can be part of the podcast. Appreciate all the support on the podcast. Continue to do really well numbers-wise and interaction-wise. Really do appreciate all of the support. And last but not least, happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Obviously, as we remember the great doctor himself on this day and all the great accomplishments that he had throughout his career and what he means to all of us today as we still look back and remember him for all the great work that he did. What have you done for somebody today? That's how we remember Martin Luther King. What are you doing to help better humanity for yourself and for those around you. So remembering Martin Luther King Jr. on this day and every day as well. But on today's podcast for Locked on Braves, we're going to be talking about international prospect signings. We're also going to talk about an updated Braves prospect ranking list that came out at Prospects 1500. And then we got a question at the end talking about prospects as well. So going to be very prospect heavy on today's episode, which I'm really excited about. But first, let's talk about these international prospect signings, because for the first time in several years now, since we had the penalties laid down on the Atlanta Braves from the copy regime, the Braves are now able to spend again. They are now back in the international market with over $5 million in, bo- in bonus pool money to spend on these international prospects. And the Braves went out and made some big moves, made a couple of big splashes they have announced 14 signings so far. We believe there may be a 15th coming, but right now the Braves have announced 14 international prospects that they have signed. That class is led by 17-year-old Diego Benitez, who they signed for $2.5 million, as well as Douglas Glaude. Hope I'm saying that right. Please don't hammer me in the comments if I mispronounce some of these names today. But uh, Douglas was a 16-year-old who they signed for $1.3 million. So 
those were the two big signings. Those were the two signings that were over a million dollars. All the rest were 400000 or less. I think the third highest was catcher Alexander Martinez, who they signed for 400000 So everybody else was below that $400,000 threshold. So the big ones were Benitez and Glaude. Uh, again, two big signings there. Benitez was ranked by MLB Pipeline, I think, had him ranked 10th, and Baseball America had him ranked 7th. And then Baseball America also had Douglas Glaude in there, I believe around 31st, ranked 31st overall. So those were the two big ones that the Braves signed. Like I said, there's 12 others that we know of so far. Still could be more trickling in. So far, the Braves have spent $4,875,000 of the $5,179,700 that they had to spend on international free agents. So they still have a little over 300000 left to spend. Like I said, we're still waiting to hear on Juan Beto, who Baseball America had linked to the Braves. That could be another pretty big one that comes in late. But right now, it looks like they still have around 300000 to spend. And again, any signing 10000 or less does not go against that pool money. So still got around $300,000 left to spend there. I'm going to briefly go over Benitez, and then I'm just going to talk about what these international prospect signings mean for the Braves because they haven't we haven't had a class like this in, in so long. But Benitez is six foot one, hundred and eighty pounds. The MLB pipeline report on him says that he's been compared to a young Manny Machado. Um, that he's already showing solid power potential and hits line drives to all fields and is a plus defender with a strong arm on the left side of the infield. So very high praise there obviously for Benitez Keep in mind, these are teenagers. These are 16, 17-year-old kids trying to project what they're going to be in five or six years is nearly impossible. But obviously, these are all very talented young kids, and there's very you know good reason to be excited about them. You never know who's going to break out and be the next Toronto Acuna, Fernando Tatis Jr. Um, so that's why it's so important to be able to play in this market and be able to spend big in this market to take some shots on guys like this and hope that they do turn into a, a Manny Machado one day. But I just wanted to give you an example of what these signings look like and how sometimes they can be a bit overblown and a bit overhyped. For example, you go back to the 2016 international class, the one that kind of started everything for the Braves and led to their penalties, and you look at the top 10 in that class, and I doubt you really recognize any of these top 10 names. Number one on that list was Kevin Maiden, and you know obviously Braves fans know that name. It was the big prospect that they got in that class, and then they had to give up, and you know didn't exactly turn out too well for him. Uh, rounding out the top ten, Vladimir Gutierrez, Luis Almanazar, um, Lazaro Armenteros, Gabriel Arias. I think he's with a pretty good prospect with the Guardians now. Alfredo Rodriguez, Luis Garcia, uh, Frutis Nova. Jason Rosario and Jonathan Machado. So again, I just read off those list of names and butcher some of those names to let you know a lot of hype is given to these international prospects and a lot of times it doesn't necessarily pan out. But when you find that one, that one kid who turns into the next Ronald Acuna Jr., then you really hit it big. 
Um, I go back to that 2016 class. Randy Arozarena is probably the one that you are familiar with the most. He ranked 13th in that class. Uh, again, he's probably the best of that class right now. But again, even kids from that class, most of them are still only 21 or 22 years old right now. So, you know, you talk about the MLB draft and how hard it is for fans to get into that because you don't see these players for three, four years. It's even worse with the international prospects because we're really talking a five, six year road for these kids to really even, you know, become prospects and then become big league contributors. So it is exciting. So let's talk about what it means for the Braves, though. You know, even though I kind of watered it down a little bit there as far as the potential of some of these players, it is big. And this is what it means for the Braves. First of all, they survived the harsh penalties from MLB, which I still believe were very harsh, more harsh than some of the other penalties that they've handed out recently, talking to you Houston Astros. But they still had a solid farm system through all of that. And that's real credit to the Braves. They still managed to win a World Series through of all of that. And so, you know, to be able to survive that penalty that was handed down by MLB, which again, I think was a very severe penalty, to still have a pretty solid farm system, although it's down right now, and to be able to win a World Series through all that, that's a huge credit to the Braves' front office. They're able to, once again, spend big in the international market, which they haven't done since 2017. And again, you're hoping to find that next Ronald Acuna Jr. or Ozzie Albies. So it is important to be able to play in this market because you can hit it big on some of these kids. So to be able to spend big money on those kids in the top 10, top 15, top 20, that is huge. And the Braves are now back in that area. So, and it'll also fill up the lower levels of the minors that have honestly become pretty barren for the Braves. Now, you've lost the team in the lower levels, so you don't have to quite fill up those teams as much, but the Braves just don't have a lot of those young kids, international prospects that, you know, a lot of people talk about the upside with some of these players, and the Braves just don't have that right now. You look at the bottom, and we're, we're going to go through some of the, the prospect rankings for the Braves here in a minute, but, you know, you look at the, you know, outside the top 15 or 20, and there's just not a lot to hope on there. And when you sign these international prospects, those are usually the players that sit down in those lower levels, the back half of rankings, and you can kind of dream a little bit on the upside of what they could be. And those players get traded. I can't think of exactly who it was right now, but I think there was last offseason the Cubs made a trade and traded a pretty good player for essentially four lottery tickets that were international, young international prospects. So those have value in trades as well, and the Braves haven't been able to throw those pieces out there in trade talks for years now because they just haven't had those types of players. So that's going to be big for the Braves. That's why this is so important that they're back in the international market, able to spend big money. So this is a huge thing for Atlanta Braves fans. So wanted to make sure that I went over that in detail. Excited about this class. Again, these are 16, 17-year-old kids. We're not going to know for at least three or four years what they could potentially be but it is very exciting that the Braves are past these restrictions now and able to play in the international market all right next I want to look at a brand new top 50 prospect rankings for the Atlanta Braves and break that down 
It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good you will want to eat it. Unlike other protein bars out there, which can be chalky or waxy or taste like a chemical spill, you want to eat healthy, but it just gets so boring. By like week three, which is where we are now in the new year, you might just be thinking, this is not worth it. Where's the chocolate? Well, Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Most Built Bars only contain about 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. So here's an idea for all you New Year's resolution people out there. Go to your secret stashes, get out those bad candy bars, and replace them with a built bar. So the next time you have a craving, you need a treat, you reach in there, you grab something that's healthy and good for you as well. Go get the cookies and cream, salted caramel, some of my favorites, the peanut butter brownie. I'm telling you, these are good. Go to built.com. Use our promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. Again, go to built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order. All right, so I wanted to keep the prospect train rolling on this one and shout out to Michael Kelly over at Prospects 1500, who I also write for. He put out his list of the top 50 prospects for the Atlanta Braves. And I wanted to just break down Michael's list really quickly. We're going to see a lot more prospect ranking lists coming out here. One thing I want to remind you of, something that I forgot when I was going over Michael's list and I kind of had disputed a, a, a pick or a choice with him, is that these lists are more geared towards fantasy baseball and dynasty baseball players. So it's why you may see them be a little bit different um, as far as some other rankings out there. You may have a player ranked higher that may be better suited for fantasy baseball than real you know, life baseball. So I want to make that clarification first before I go through some of this list. Also, Prospects 1500 does a tier list, tier one being a all-star, tier two being an above average solid contributor, and tier three being a solid contributor. So looking at Michael's list, again, on Prospects 1500, if you want to go check that out, Michael ranks no Braves prospects in Tier 1, and the Tier 1 list for prospects 1,500 is very hard to reach. I mean, we're talking about a perennial all-star level player. I think there's, or I think they try to keep it around 2% of all 1,500 prospects that they rank to be in that Tier 1. So kind of understand that. I think Michael Harris is on the verge there. I think he could potentially be. A, a perennial all-star type player, but also still very young. So I can understand not wanting to jump him into that tier one just yet, depending on how he does at double A to start 2022. I think you could see him push to that tier one ranking, but in tier two, he has, he has him ranked like this. Michael Harris, Vaughn Grisham, Shay Langoliers, Spencer Strider, Drew Waters, and Christian Pache. So again, a very, you know, very, normal list I would say I think you'll probably see a lot of rankings come out right now you'll probably see those four or five guys you know in that top top five so I I think Harris is a clear number one um, in this I would have had Langoliers too 
I think Langoliers could be a potential all-star someday. Um, and this was where I disputed putting Grisham up this high. Look, I, I like Vaughn Grisham. I, I really do. I'm going back and watching him right now. I'll have a, a scouting profile on him up at TomahawkTake.com pretty soon. But I think there's still a lot I need to see from him You know, at the higher level, levels. I think he had like 14 games at high A. I do like him. I do think he's probably the best infield prospect the Braves have right now. I think he's definitely overtaken Braden Shoemake for that at the moment, but I'm not ready to jump him that high. And I'm going to come out with my own top 10 here probably in a couple of weeks. I still got some other prospects that I want to dive into more and study the film on. So I will have my own top 10, but I didn't really agree with putting Grisham that high. His reasoning in for that was because he feels like Grisham will be more of a valuable fantasy player, which I can understand, you know, over Shea Langoliers, who's a catcher and won't play every day. So I can understand that part of it. Um, then he has Strider. Uh, again, I think Strider has a ton of upside. I kind of already talked about him on there. And then you got the Waters Pache just hanging on to that tier two. And we're going to talk about Drew Waters a little bit more in the final segment. Got a question on him. Pache, I, I can understand not being up that high when you're talking about fantasy relevance. I just don't know that he's ever going to have the bat to be a relevant fantasy baseball player, but his defensive tool alone should allow him to play in the big leagues for a while. And then quickly, tier three players. I wanted to mention how he has them ranked here. Jesse Franklin, uh, Cusick, the guy they just took in the first round last year, Schuster, Elder, Estes, Davidson, Moeller, Shoemake, Tarnick, and Schwellenbach. Um, so again, a very... A very solid core at the top here, and this is kind of what I was talking about earlier. You look at the top 15 prospects for the Braves, and I think they all have a chance to be solid, you know, big league contributors, which is why Michael has them ranked here. It's that that bottom half of the rankings. You look at some of those, and you don't you don't really see a lot of guys you think can jump into that tier right now, and that's where some of these international prospects will help out as well. But yeah, I mean, I I can I agree with that that tier three list for sure. I still am a little um, I'm I'm hyped on Freddie Tarnock. I think he's somebody has the potential could jump up, be more of a two or three type starter. Um, I I just I wrote about Jesse Franklin at Tomahawk Take the other day. I think he's a bench bat power um, left handed bat could potentially be an everyday player if he makes one. Little adjustment, although it's not an easy adjustment, but I wrote about him on Tomahawk Take the other day if you want to go read that. I've already talked about Schuster and Elder on here. Joey Estes is one that's very intriguing. I need to go back and watch some more film on here. I think he could be a very intriguing prospect, but I need to break him down some more. So very good list there from Michael over at Prospects 1500 if you want to go check that out, especially if you're into deep fantasy baseball leagues, I would advise you to go out and check check out Prospects 1500 and all of their team top 50 list. All right, next, I'm going to take another question, or I'm going to take a question from the listeners out there on Drew Waters. BetOnline would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue the march through the playoffs in the NFL and the NBA and NHL coming up here in a couple of months. Bet on, Bet Online remains the number one spot for all your sports 
wagering action for 2022, a new year, and a new updated desktop and mobile website. Sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2022 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, so I got a couple of questions I need to get to from VT Murdoch out there. Um, I appreciate all the questions. Please, please continue to send in your questions. I didn't do a mailbag last week as we had Nick Green on the show. If you haven't listened to that, make sure you go back and listen to that interview with Nick Green. really was a fun conversation. But I got some questions out there to get to. Some from, like I said, VT Murdoch had some good questions out there. I'm going to start with this one. What are your thoughts on the ceiling of Drew Waters? He is inconsistent and strikes out a lot should the Braves trade him. So I'm going to answer both of these questions separately. What is the ceiling for Drew Waters? Um, I have never been a big fan of Drew Waters as a prospect, but I understand the ceiling there and why a lot of people are. He's a switch hitter with 20-plus home run potential and could be a 20-20 player, 20 home run, 20 stolen base player. That's what I think the ceiling is for Drew Waters, as well as playing exceptional defense. So that is, I mean, that is the ceiling for Drew Waters. You know, a very good 2020 type player in the outfield. That's what everybody sees in him. That's why he was so hyped. You know, possibly could make an all-star team someday. I mean, that is the ceiling for Drew for Drew Waters. And I, I still believe that. Um, I don't know if he gets there, but that is at least his ceiling. Um should the Braves trade him is the second question here. Look, I've been on record many times saying if the right deal comes along for an impact bat or an impact starter, I would move Drew Waters without hesitation. Um, and again, that's knowing he could go on to be an all-star type player, a very good major league player. Still, he's somebody that I I would trade if in the right package. I wouldn't trade him. Just to trade him, that's for sure. But if the right package comes along for you know a really solid starter with control, I wouldn't you know do him for I wouldn't trade him for a rental type player. But if we're talking about trading him for an impact starter or impact bat, and the team trading for him, you know, prioritize Drew Waters as somebody that could highlight that package, then I would definitely trade Drew Waters. And I think the Braves are are definitely open to doing that in the right deal. I will just remind you, Drew Waters has just turned 23 years old in December. He missed a big season of development in 2020, as a lot of prospects did, but he's still age-appropriate for AAA. Now, 2022 will be a big year for him, a make-or-break year for him. If he does stay with the Braves, you're going to have to see him have a better approach at the plate, cut down on the strikeouts, be more consistent, show some more power at the plate. So he, I mean, he still has a lot of things to work out, some adjustments to make, but he is still just 23 years old. I think a lot of people forget that because it seems like we've been talking about Drew Waters for several years now, and we have. So sometimes that comes with a little bit of prospect fatigue, but he is still, you know, still does have that ceiling as a 2020 type bat, 2020 type player with really good defense. So, you know, the hope is still there, but 2022 will be big for him. And again, I think if the right trade comes along, I think he does get moved this offseason. So 
Appreciate the question there from VT Murdoch on Twitter. Again, continue to send in your questions, and I'll make sure to get them answered on the show. But that will do it for this episode of Locked On Braves. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Locked On underscore Braves. Again, send in those questions, comments, feedback on the podcast. I do appreciate it. Make sure you follow me as well at Shortstop Ball, and also make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. And we will talk to you next time. Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias, DC Lundberg, Ryan Finkelstein, Taylor Blake Ward, host of Locked On Yankees, Locked On Mariners, Locked On Mets, Locked On Angels, and you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 